Capital FM Москва это моя станция. Capital FM Moscow. Capital FM Moscow. Capital FM Moscow. Capital FM Moscow. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM. I'm Alan Moore. I'm uh, I'm your host, or I should say, I'm one of your hosts for two hours of sports mayhem. So listen, tune in. I know you are. Get ready for the very best two hours of the very best news, views, reviews, previews and interviews in the world of sports. Folks, it's United versus Liverpool again. It is half time. The players are coming out for the second half of that game. But of course, it's the FA Cup this weekend. Uh, we're going to go shortly to Andrew Flint just before the second half kicks off. And we're going to find out who... Do you, our listeners in our poll, believe, remember, look at our Instagram, our man in Moscow, vote. Who is going to win the English Premier League this season? Is it going to be Manchester United or Manchester City? Right now, earlier on we held a poll and it was also included Leicester City and Liverpool, but it didn't include Liverpool in the end because Liverpool just are not going to win the league this season. We said this last year, we said this in September last year, folks. That's a fact. Remember, every year, the last three years, we've been calling the English Premier League Perfectly right on this show. Remember that, okay? We are looking out for you guys and making sure life is that little bit easier. Okay, now, in part two, Andy Mack is back. He's released from the dungeon, the dangerous dungeon, and he's going to, he's social distance, of course, with us, and he will be talking about just what's going on in the English Premier League and around Europe. He'll be joined by Andrew Flint, who will stay on with us from this first segment. And, uh, yeah, they have some very, very good gossip from the world of football. In part three, our legal eagle, Isil Cody, she has some very, well, strange news, kind of, uh, where boys can now be girls. Yeah, in sports. There you go, in America. We're going to discuss that. And then, of course, Peter P and Alex B, the Spice Boys, are going to strip off and wrestle over who is the better quarterback in American football. Is it Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers? That is our NFL segment. And then we're going to have a talk about Conor McGregor. Is he done? Is he dusted? He was knocked out last night, of course. We all know that. But will he come back for the third part of his trilogy with Dustin Poirier? We don't know about that. In part four, Kieran and Steve from the Transfer Exchange Show, they'll be back telling us just who is moving where. Remember, last week, we got it right. Mesut Ozil, he moved to Fenerbahce. That was confirmed today. A bit of an interesting background on that as well. We're going to come up with that in just a few minutes. Uh, then, in part five, we're going to go behind the scenes at a professional football club. Of course, it is Moscow's newest football club, Veles FC, with their CEO, Yevgeny Shilinkov. Before, finally, we're going to go to the Hell in the Cell. That is the big, fat, filthy quiz. That's in part six. Okay, I'm delighted to have uh, across from me, socially distanced. Double N, Double N, how are you doing? All good, all good. How okay. I'm I'm doing pretty well right now. I'm happy to see you. And Andy Mack is back. He's released. No gag in the mouth. Nothing. He's not handcuffed. He's not chained. Andy, how are you doing? Well, the snow melted, so I managed to get out. <laughs> I'll tell you something. Get Mr. Fristle to build a better dungeon the next time. <laughs> right. Uh, we're going to go straight away because the second half has kicked off uh, in Old Trafford. So, um, Andrew Flint, 1-1 between the red 
well, the two red teams or the teams, one playing in green, one playing in red. I don't see the difference between them. Uh, not that I'm colour blind, I just don't see the difference between the two of them. Um, right, uh, so what do you reckon? How's the game been so far, Andrew Flint? Well, it's 1-1. Um, and I, to be fair, both teams are, have had a reasonable amount of chances. Paul Pogba actually looks like he's motivated again. Um, I, I don't know, you know, the longer he goes on actually playing like this, you, you wonder whether he is playing for a move or whether he actually has finally woken up. But we've had too many false dawns with him. Um, a lovely finish from Mohamed Salah, I have to be honest, it was it was sumptuous. And after the run of form he's been on, he needed that. Um, but then an even better goal, or a better assist, I should say, uh, Marcus Rashford and Mar- um, Mason Green were finished to make it 1-1. Um Reasonably strong teams from both, but a few are rested. Um, a couple of youngsters in Liverpool side. Uh, the young lad Williams at the back was possibly struggling to do with Marcus Rashford at times, but pretty open game. Okay, um, <laughs> so uh, so far so decent. I mean, like both, you know, both teams are trying hard. There's been chances on both sides. Um, are United taking this game seriously, Andrew? Because there's two good lineups out there, but how how seriously should United be taking this? Because now they have a battle against the blue half of Manchester uh, for the league title. I think they absolutely should take this seriously. Um, it's not about the you know the cheesy romance of the FA Cup or anything. It is the FA Cup. It is a trophy. But more importantly, it's Liverpool are playing today. Um, if we beat them, that's one of the main contenders out of the competition. Um, I want to win every every competition that, that we're in. And, and the psychological boost is really important. And I think the performance United put on at Anfield um, in the league a few days ago was, was very promising. And it could well be... Goal scored, one. Andrew. Uh, Andrew, Andrew, yes. goal in. Goal in. 2-1. 2-1, yeah, just as we were right. talking on there, we just saw it there in the background. So 2-1, Marcus Rashford, uh, just, well, less than five minutes well, into the it, second it was, half. It was uh, it was that young lad, Williams, again, who was, I mean, to say he's at fault is a bit harsh, but um, Rashford got the run on him. Uh, definitely we should take it seriously after that second goal. Okay. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, it, it, the, the next game is going to be against uh, West Ham. And just looking at it, I mean, Liverpool, oh my goodness. Okay, I wouldn't fault anybody um, for Liverpool for that. Because, but what, is it going to be offside? No, it wasn't. He was just onside. Um, okay, so 2-1 to Liverpool in that game. Okay, let's have a look at the English Premier League, Andrew, because it is all go right now for United and City. It is looking very, very good at the moment for uh, United. United. Um, but also City, like we were discussing last week, they are the dark horses. Right now, United with a game, uh, one game played more than Man City are on top on 40 points. Man City on 38 level with Leicester. Leicester, of course, have played one game more. And Liverpool, on after 19 games, are on 34 points. Liverpool are in an awful run of form right now. Four games, or sorry, five games, no wins. And I think they haven't scored a goal uh, since Biden became president. <laughs> yeah, well, he's not going to inspire them into much um, fast action, is he? Um, I think uh, I think Liverpool have a real challenge on their hands, and this is, I'd say, the most um, the biggest challenge they've had really in the last three or four years. Really, how you come over a slump It's very easy to well, no, it's not easy to get to the state they're in, but it's once you're on the top, it's easy to have the confidence. But once it's been shaken, that's the real test of character. Um, whether they'll have the you know whether they have the juice left to keep running, um, who knows? And um, Everton, I don't think, are realistic challenges to overtake them long-term uh, in the table. Spurs certainly do have, 
the talent, but I'm not sure they quite have the experience to hold it out. So I still think Liverpool will be up there. Um, but it's, uh, well, it's, it's in the balance now. Because, I mean, the, the next game up for uh, United in the league, of course, is against Sheffield United this third, uh, Wednesday, excuse me, uh, at a quarter past 11 Moscow time. That's against Sheffield United, so they're going to get three points out of that. There's no, that's it. That, that's three points definitely for uh, United. Um, Everton are home, same time, against Leicester City. Now, if Leicester win that, then the table does look a bit interesting because they keep pace. Um, but, I mean, overall, you look like Man City away to West Brom on Tuesday. That's 11.15 as well. They're going to get three points out of that at least. Oh, well, I mean, OK, we, we said that and we saw that um, Big Sam got a draw <laughs> against Liverpool. But you'd, you'd still fancy Man City to do, do a number on them. But then you look at Thursday evening, 11 o'clock, Spurs at home against Liverpool. Um, it, it's not getting any better for Liverpool, is it? It certainly isn't. Um, I mean, <laughs> a game like this against a manager like Jose Mourinho and uh, the form that Liverpool are in, and hopefully after tonight with their confidence shot as well, um, yeah, it's, it certainly isn't getting any easier. Um, Spurs are, they, they technically have a chance here, not necessarily to get into the title race, mathematically they could, um, but to consolidate their at least their Champions League aspirations, they really have to be getting into the Champions League, I think. Um, if they get a result, Spurs get a result here, then that will be, what, six games without a win for Liverpool. I don't, I honestly don't know how many years it's been since they've gone that long without a win. Um, but it will be seriously damaging, not just mathematically, but psychologically. And I don't think, I, th- I don't think they'll be able to come back from it if they, if they lost to Spurs. Listen, and that's what I'm going to ask you. We have a question um, from Kaka. I mean, we're going to answer it in, in part four. We'll answer it now. Uh, he's asked, uh, what are the chances for Tottenham finishing in the top four? Um, I'll ask Andy Mack, what do you reckon? Tottenham in the top four? Um, they, they, they have a game less than Liverpool. If they win, if they beat Liverpool, uh, they go ahead of them, of course. Everton are one game further back. Um, what do you reckon, Andy Mack? Yeah, I don't see why not. If they can keep the likes of Kane and Son fit, um, I think they've got every chance. They're, they're, they're not any worse or you know, than anyone else in that top four at the moment. And a lot of it is consistency. And I think they've got one of the benefits in the fact that I, I feel that their rotation policy is quite good in terms of Europe. So when that kicks back as well, um, I think they've got the novelty of bringing in the likes of Bale and Carlos Vinicius. And I think that makes a huge difference when a team is... St- under pressure for struggling a little bit like Liverpool, who will have to field near enough their best eleven almost every game. Yeah. I mean, Andrew, you, re- you agree with that because I mean, we were discussing this last week. I mean, that Liverpool don't have that much coming off the bench. Uh, there's nothing, they, they don't seem to have the money to get anybody in to be an impact player. So they're kind of stuck with who they have. Well, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the danger with the, the double-edged sword almost of their style of play. It is virtually unplayable when they're fully fit and everybody is available, but you take away some of the key elements and they, they look a different side. On the other hand, I would say um, it might be not quite a blessing in disguise, but a positive Liverpool fans could take out of it is the likes of Curtis Jones might get even more game time. I know he's been trusted a reasonable amount, but he may have to be considered a genuine first team player, not just a, a youth team prospect. And, and I think he has the talent and he has the mentality to be a really good player. So this could be the making of the, the younger players in their squad. Instead of saying, well, we don't have the money to sign anybody, trust the, the, the youngsters because they'll have to. And, and who knows, it may pay off. 
because I mean, if you look at like United now are um, have decided they 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 are looking at a number of different targets. So they're kind of going, okay, Usman Dembele from uh, Barcelona. Uh, they're competing with Chelsea for him. He, his contract is up in a year, I think it is, or a year and a half maybe. Um, but also the Red Bull Leipzig uh, French lad, uh, Dayo Upamecano, I think it is. He's, he's, on, the, he's on the radar uh, for Liverpool, but now United are going to try and outbid them. Um, Andy Mack, like, I mean, how are Liverpool, with all their money, all the millions, the billions they've been making, laying staff off on furloughs, how are they, um, you know, how are they not outbidding United? Well, that's a very good question. I really don't know. I, I think there'll be certain factors playing into that in terms of um, value for players going out, um, the amount of money that they've spent on wages and players coming in already. Um, maybe they're, they're thinking that perhaps they don't need to sign a, a, a mega, mega centre-back again if Van Dijk's back and fit, but that's, gonna, that's still months away yet. Um, for me, I think that's where United need to focus, and I think a big signing like and he looks, um, he really does look the part as well. I think he would be a very good signing um, for United. I think that's a definite for Liverpool. Yeah, they've got a few youngsters coming through that they seem to be maybe looking at giving them a run. Uh, that might factor in if they can save money like that and then profit from one of the other players that perhaps is leaving. Uh, they were talking about Mane perhaps leaving then they might be reliant on a deal going out first before they can actually put in a big bid. Yeah, I mean, because this is, again, again, they're owned by an American company who have a lot of money tied up in the club and in investments. And the, the, the club, you know, as, as rich as they might be, they have, they're carrying quite a bit of debt as well. And it is one issue because uh, during the week there were kind of a little bit of hints because when they lost to Burnley midweek that uh, your club was unhappy with the club. Um, and it does seem to be that, that the players are not, you're performing uh, a question here from Mekan and we'll, we'll discuss this with uh, Steve and Kieran a bit later on as well um, Andrew we in September we had a great discussion uh, why Liverpool uh, have you know fallen back from the, 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 the leaders basically and had such a bad bad turn of form what do you reckon in your opinion what's happened to Liverpool well um you don't suddenly become bad players overnight, so they have the quality. But the number of injuries is one obvious factor. Um, but I think there is something very strange going on with Mohamed Salah. Um, he, we mentioned the noises he'd made, or the reported noises he'd made about, you know, eyes wandering over to Spain. Um, but he, he's looked... I actually think it goes a lot further back than this. I'd say it lasts 12, even 18 months. Um, Salah's form has come in spectacular bursts and he's always produced goals um, uh, up until the last six games before tonight anyway um, but I think the fact that this, the attack does tend to depend quite a lot around um, Salah's explosiveness and when he is not entirely focused he's not looking up and he's not finding his teammates I think it does make it has a major effect on on how they play. So unfortunately, I think Mohamed Salah, lovely guy, as he seems to be off the pitch. I think he is um, a burden almost at times if he's not 100 percent on it. Yeah, I mean he's he, he's a good buddy, of course, as we know of uh, Ramzan Kadyrov down there in Grozny. So you know he he, he does a lot of good, um, but it's it's not getting any easier for him. Okay, uh, Andrew Flint's going to stay with us. Uh, so will Andy Mack, of course, in Dublin as well. Plus seven ninety five one 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 zero five three with your comments or messages on our WhatsApp. Uh, let us know what you're thinking. You can get us on Telegram as well. It is two. 
Oh, Liverpool misses hitter right underneath the post, uh, right underneath the crossbar, blazed it over, not getting any easier for the Reds. Right, we're going to go to the break right now with Pitbull 2 2. Is he equal? Just we go to the break right now. Jordan Henderson missed that sitter. And Liverpool, oh my goodness, that was a lovely skip move. In rugby, that's called a skip pass move. Uh, Andy Mack, who scored for Liverpool that one? Uh, it looked like Salah again. It did, it was Salah. Yeah, I just said there, Salah. 2 2, folks, as we go out to the break. Right, folks, we're going to go out with Pitbull and Keisha. This is one that could be playing because. Mr. Lampard, also known as Fat Frank, he could be on the way. He could be getting cold from Chelsea. We don't know what's going to happen. We're going to discuss it now after the break with Andy Mack and Andrew Flint. So, going out with Pitbull and Keisha and Timber. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. It's going down. I'm yelling to my
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It is still 2-2 at Old Trafford. That was quite, that was quite a good one. We just when we went to break, uh, Mo Salah six into the back of the net. Harry Maguire, well, he could be faulted for a keeper or not because it was, uh, you know, it was very, very difficult. Keepers has to, like, prepare himself. It went between his legs, but, you know, uh, that's okay. Andy Mack, things pass between your legs. I mean, that's, I mean, he wasn't fault, was he? He wasn't looking for it. <laughs> well, as soon as you said that, I knew you were going to come to me with the passing <laughs> between your legs. Um, well, you're in the groove now, or uh, you're in a groove, so... <laughs> Well, I suppose I'm out that groove now. Um, yeah, not really. I, I don't think you can fault the goalkeeper there. Um, from a distance like that, it's very difficult spreading yourself in a, across your whole goal. So oh, I'm, I'm, I'm digging myself deep. <laughs> yeah, I, don't be digging I'm, into your groove. <laughs> Just get out of that rut. It was Maguire and Cavani's fault. That's it. I'll stop speaking. Yeah, OK. Uh, Andrew Flint, Andy Mack was getting back and uh, he was getting a bit tongue-tied and, uh, you know, kind of, um, well, all those different things when he can't speak. Uh, <laughs> God knows, God knows where Andy Mack was getting tied, but let's move on. Eh? <laughs> yeah, look, it, it, it's uh, 63 minutes on the clock. Uh, United now back up on the attack. But Liverpool, when they, when they want to do it, they look a little bit sharp. But does that, like we went back yeah. before, Harry Maguire can be a liability at times for United. Um, I'm not calling him a donkey, but he does go, you know. But anyway, I, I, mean, like, I mean, he was at fault for that goal. Well, I mean, as, as Andy might rightly said, Edson Cavani's, um, well, I won't even call it a pass. He wasn't looking where where he was sending the ball, and it was a disastrous, uh, disastrous touch. But yes, Harry Maguire thinks he's a ball-playing centre-back, and he is generally designated as the man to bring the ball out to defence for United. And I just, I never feel entirely comfortable with it, because he can, you know, he's he's not completely unaware of what's going on around him but he just hangs on to the ball too long and he's too slow to, to get rid of it making it much easier for opposing teams to close him down and pressure him off the ball and his positioning like it was here is, is often found wanting so um, he does need to tighten up his concentration certainly Okay, uh, alright that game has gone on in the background of course it, as I mentioned 2-2 there's just around 25 minutes ago in that game of course we'd be stay with us because we're covering it live here on Capital Sports Muscles Capital FM plus 795 send in your messages your comments and also who you think is going to win the English Premier League this season um, Chelsea got a win today uh, however however Frank Lampard might be on the way at the door and it looks like Roman Abramovich well during the week they were saying that it would be Avram Grant returning he has actually the best winning percentage of all the, the most recent Chelsea managers under Roman Abramovich however it looks like Brendan Rodgers um, Andy Mack what do you reckon Brendan Rodgers I mean w- would that be a good because he is a damn good manager no matter what you say I mean you hate him you've like slandered him on this show I mean he should be suing you but like he's a good coach he is um, he, he's still a rat from a sinking ship but um <laughs> Uh, yeah, he, he's a wonderful coach, and you can um, you can see the methods and the, the the confidence that he instills in in groups of players. Um, and I think Leicester at the moment are really showing that. Um, and that's him, you know, relying on one striker, Jamie Vardy, who had a long blip. But it's the players that then come in that the the likes of Perez or Iaccio and those sort of players having confidence immediately once returning in is, is, is what makes a squad and what makes a good manager when you're having to not only think about the tactics on the pitch but the group of your 35 odd players that you need to hit full you know full blast every single game so he obviously 
has come from Chelsea. There's links there. Um, I think Frank Lampard, being the person who he is with Chelsea, has given him longer than perhaps any other manager. Uh, I think Roman Abramovich would have had him sent off to Magadan quicker than um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's <laughs> than a, any of his predecessors. Yeah, so. that does look like it. I mean, but he's, um, he's given him a chance. But yeah. okay, but okay, so. Brendan Rodgers, I mean, he's a good player. He's into the whole group thing. Um, Easel Cody, uh, we were just discussed before he came on just there that uh, Frank Lampard looks like he's on the way at the door. Who would you reckon? Uh, could it be a third time around for Ho- Jose Mourinho or you want to keep him at Spurs to finish in fourth place? We're keeping Jose. He's, <laughs> he's a Spurs man through and through now. He's like... He's actually growing on me. I hate how he's treated certain players, but he does that in every club. And if Delhi has to be his Luke Shaw in Spurs, I'm willing to accept it. But I don't see him going back. And unfortunately, at this stage, I don't see Frank lasting much longer because it's not like a manager. He got he over the years. Abramovich has got rid of managers with there on merit. And unfortunately for Frank. He, he may have been a great player, but that does not make you a great manager. And the jump, I think, was a little bit like someone going from doing your Saturday league coaching kind of thing and then going, oh, yeah, I'll just jump up and actually do a national level team. It doesn't work like that. And I think it's showing. Um, Andrew Flint, if, if all this instability, because Chelsea, uh, you know, they, they need to try and get players in, of course, during this con- you know, transfer window, there's not that much left in this week. Um is that going to then kill them off? Because you know they're they're still in a you know they're in a nice place in the table. They need they need to get up into like your know, fifth and sixth place. They need to at least they spent a lot of money trying to get into Europe. They need to get into the Champions League. Uh, you know not not as a minimum. But they need to get there. If Frank goes, you know, is is Roman going to open up the rubles and uh, give them to somebody else? I mean, he already has, hasn't he? I mean, this this summer, uh, last summer, sorry, I was I was genuinely fearful of Chelsea being a major major rival for the top four. Even I wouldn't quite say title, but the players they brought in um, on the surface, if you look at the names they brought in, like uh, Hakim Ziyech and Thiago Silva, maybe thirty six, but he's a very experienced um, winner. He knows what he's doing. Timo Werner is one of the most explosive players in European football over recent years. But then you've got to think, how are they fitting into the team? Kai Havertz as well. Um, you've got to think how they're fitting into the team. Timo Werner, is, um, he's made comments about the pace and the style of playing the English Premier League being a surprise, but he's not being used as his, in his favourite position. Um, Kai Havertz, um, some people are even wondering whether he was the right promising Leverkusen midfielder to bring in after Florian Burt's has been exceptional with teenager recently. Um, they brought in a lot of players. Who, who, how much more money do they need to spend? Is money really going to be the answer? Um, I don't think he will open the, the ruble book, so to speak. Okay, um, just uh, we've got a couple of questions in. Uh, one from Murat, uh, and his uh, question is this: that um, how do you think this question? How do you think uh, Mesut Ozil's transfer to Fenerbahce will be successful? Will it be good for the player um, because he hasn't been playing for quite some time? Uh, Dublin, are you happy to see the back of Mesut Ozil that he's gone now to Turkey? Yeah, like for every player who is out there, they, it's important to get this uh, football match that like minutes. So I'm happy for him. Like as a player, he'll he'll start playing, and we'll see how it goes. Okay. Um, 
Isolt, I mean, there was a question raised. Uh, Fenerbahce were asking uh, fans to pay for his wages. That's how bad it is. Um, you know, he, again, he was an outstanding player. Like, you know, he's the, he has the record for most assists in the English Premier League season with 20. He was very, very good. Do you think he's been made a scapegoat for the failings of Arsenal as a club? I think this, I think it's pivotal for both Ozil and for Arteta and Arsenal that he's no longer there because now you can't go behind the excuses of going, well, we've got this amazing player, but he won't perform in our team. So we're putting him on the sideline. We don't know if he was able to perform because he was constantly benched. And I think now we either see a sink or swim in terms of um, their manager. And I think if we're going by the FA Cup and they're in the last few days, we're seeing a a sink rather than a swim. But I think Ozil wasn't the biggest problem in Arsenal. And I think it's unfortunate that it came across like he was. And I hope for him, it's a good thing being there because I think it's a huge talent that has been wasted for the last few months. Yeah, that 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 is fair enough. Um, Andrew Flint, I mean, would you have liked to see Ozil staying in the English Premier League? Because he could have done a job, for example, for, for Manchester United. Well, I mean, he's a fabulous player, but I'm delighted he's not in the English Premier League anymore simply because it's just so toxic around him. How much was his doing? Um, was the club's doing? Was the mess around Arsenal's doing? It's quite hard to say, but um, he doesn't, you know, he, he's been a wonderful player for some top clubs and I think he deserves a, a, a time without being scapegoated. Um, yeah, you, these luxury players, uh, luxury players, I hate that term because... You know, you, you, you need quality, you need creativity, and those players don't always do the same sort of visible running that gets the, the, the blood pumping. But Oswald will always create something out of nothing. And there are very few players who have the vision and talent that he has. But it, it just it's nothing sadder than seeing a play, player just rotting away. So I think if Fender Bucci probably is a good move for him, um, he'll be the star. And I hopefully he'll get his joy of football back. Okay, listen, Andy Mack, now that um, the Spanish waiter, Rafael Benitez, will be going to Celtic, it looks like, would you have liked to see Ozil gone up and uh, lighten up Celtic Park? Um, no. He spent longer writing his goodbye message than he has playing <laughs> in the last year or wherever it's been. Um, I think it's a good deal that suits all parties from Ozil going to Fenerbahce. I think there'll be big merchandise out of him going there. He's on a cut deal to 60 grand a week or something. Um, I've actually seen Rafa Benitez. I think the link's more the fact that he lives in Merseyside with his family. Um, but there's Spanish press saying that um, he's going to take a break for a while. Okay. Whether that's a break until Neil Lennon's contract runs down at Celtic is another question. Um, I don't see how Celtic have the money for Benitez at the moment. Yeah, But you never know. OK, that is good. Listen, um, let's move away from football for the moment, of course. Uh, I'm just, I was watching uh, you know, some of the, the boys there. Okay, Trent Alexander-Arnold there with his... Um, uh, his long sleeve undershirt and Mo Salah not not good enough that he has a long sleeve undershirt. He has it pulled down over his hands. He's holding it like some you know one of those schoolboys you you want to be kick in the face because he basically is you know oh I'm cold and and I'm hugging like just Jesus Christ for money. I'm sorry. That's that's I don't like seeing players doing that because <laughs> they're precious. I would love to belt them. Uh, right. Um, of course, we've a question from Anwar because uh, big D Day tomorrow uh, in anti doping for the Russian national sports teams. Uh, Anwar asks a question. So I'm going to throw this to you. Uh, do you think that the fact that uh, they're going to compete in the international arena under a neutral flag is going to affect the Russian athletes? Will they be in, feel inferior or will that be motivation? 
and hashtag neutral flag. What do you reckon, Liesl? Tomorrow, big, big day? And uh, I, what's going to happen? I, well, I think competing under an... You're competing under a neutral flag. You're going, you're speaking Russian, you're with your Russian teammates. Let's not consider them removed. But I think for those athletes, I think the penalisation for athletes who have worked their entire life to get to a Games that has now obviously been pushed back a year, which means for these athletes, a lot of them will never have another chance again because they're a year older. Let's be realistic. I think a neutral flag option is important because we see lots of other countries where they have had issues with doping or different sports where certain teams have had issues and they get opportunities. I think you can't exclude athletes solely on a failing that they may not have been responsible for. And I think a neutral flag doesn't really exist. They're Russian. They're speaking Russian. They can be singing the Russian national anthem in their head if they want to. Well, that's true. But I, mean, I think it's important, and I have a big issue with exclusion for the sake of exclusion in terms of the Olympics. They're once every four, in this case, case yeah. five years. They don't get another shot. Yeah, that, bothered. Yeah, no, I, I mean, anybody I've spoken with, any of the people that have been on the show uh, who have worked at the highest level of anti-doping have the most... You know, the, in terms of credentials, they have been fighting the real fight, not like, you know, in USADA or UCAD where they're trying to feather the nest and earn more money. These people have actually fought and given up careers like um, uh, Michelle Varokin and uh, Renny Ann Shirley, who actually, you know, were, were got death threats because they stood up for athletes' rights. Um, Andy Mack, what's going to happen tomorrow? What, what are we expecting tomorrow? I mean, what do you reckon is going to happen? Um, I reckon tomorrow, I, I think they've probably seen the the failings and the timing of this ban if, if certain things aren't going to happen this year um, then it's absolutely pointless banning a nation from it could participating in international events um, so I, I think they, they might uh, Russia have already come out and said that they're not going to appeal against the ban which for me was, was petty doing this whole neutral flag thing is halfway house you either ban them or you don't um, I think we'll probably potentially see more evidence brought forward, perhaps an extension to include tournaments as opposed to um, actual you know, two years or whatever. I think it will be your ban from certain tournaments. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that does look like it. Um, Andrew Flint, just to, to come back to you, I'm going to give you the last word on this season before we go to break. Um, Andrew, I mean... We, I, last week we had, of course, our figure skaters on Morozov and Tarasova, and I didn't ask them, I was speaking with uh, Larry, uh, <laughs> a friend of mine about this um, yesterday, Larry Litsky, and I, I said I didn't want to ask them how it felt, or did it feel different, or was it devalued that they were receiving medals under a neutral flag? Um, because as you know, Isil said, it doesn't really make a difference, because it just didn't seem... It just didn't. It wasn't interesting for me because athletes compete for themselves first of all, for their teams, for their partners, and it doesn't make a difference. Um, do you think it's 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 a logical step to basically make sure they compete under a neutral flag, or do you think it's very very unfair? Well, it's it's a punishment for appearances' sake, in my view. Um, but they don't really have much of an option, like he sort of said. It's it's. I'd say it goes beyond unfair, but it becomes almost immoral to prevent individual athletes who aren't directly responsible for what what their the whole country has been punished for. Um, but the as a punishment, it, it isn't a punishment. It's it's. I don't even think it is desperately insulting. You'd rather have your flag, your oh. your national anthem, the colours. But uh, Andrew, sorry, we've just had a break in for that. There's been a goal from Manchester United from a free kick. At a, a free kick. Who's the scorer, Andy Mack? Um, I haven't seen it go oh, in yet, but guys, I presume it's Bruno. Yeah, Bruno. Yeah, 
It was a, it's a goal. So uh, 3-2 with just yeah, over 10 minutes to go. Okay, so 3-2. Okay, Andrew, we're going to leave you on that. Uh, Isol, very, very quickly, final uh, 15 seconds, tell us. Uh, Bruno Fernandes scored a direct free kick. Um, lovely goal and uh, everyone's quite happy for that. So 3-2 with just over 10 minutes to go. Isol, 10 seconds, uh, take us out to the break. Tell us. 10 seconds. I think we need to look at how um, the decision was reached very well by Cass, but we need to now look at how do we get an actual plan in place to see Russian athletes back competing whenever this ban does actually expire and seeing them compete under their own flag. A neutral flag isn't a long-term option. Okay, that is great. Thank you very much for that, Isol Cody and Andrew Flint. Andrew, of course, will be returning in part five and uh, Andy Mack will stay with us. But of course, next up, it is Isol Cody and the Spice Boys. We're going out to the break right now with something that's going to, you know, it's going to make us all have a bit of a smile. It is Tau Cruz and Dynamite back after this with a very, very strange collection of people and stories. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. I came to dance, 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 dance I hit the floor cause that's my plans, 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 plans I'm wearing all my favorite brands, 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 brands Give me some space for both my hands, 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 hands Yeah, yeah, cause it goes on and on and on
with Alan Moore. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It is still 3-2 between Manchester United and Liverpool, but Liverpool are on the attack. It's a corner, and uh, we'll see what's going to happen now because it is getting, it's swung in, but a terrible corner. My Jesus, I could have done better with my left foot, and my left foot is my weaker foot. Uh, okay, Isolt, we're going to start off with you because Blur had a song, Girls Who Are Boys and Boys Who Are Girls, or something of that sort. Uh, and we're going to talk about that right now. Uh, well, you're going to talk about it in just a moment. So away you go. You have five minutes on the clock. Your time okay. starts now. I'm going to start off very briefly and then go to the story you have just referenced. Firstly, last week we mentioned the Greek Olympian, Sofia Beccataro, who is basically Greece's most famous Olympian of recent years. She, we discussed the fact that she had made allegations against a member of the Hellenic uh, society there, so that's sailing. And during the course of this week, she in fact testified before a prosecutor. And basically, we have found out more details, including the alleged assault came before the Sydney 2000 Olympic trials. And she would then have had to, for the following Olympics, which she also competed in, have to endure being around the alleged perpetrator for the entire time. And I think in terms of the Hellenic society in Greece were about to see a big turnaround in Greek culture to do with there has obviously been a lot of other people come forward now and it's quite clear that there's going to be a turnaround there almost like the Me Too movement has hit Greece in a way that it hadn't previously and this is because of an athlete coming forward the next story I'm only giving it a brief mention is the Australian Open they have essentially added an additional extra tournament as a warm-up for competitors in particular the female competitors who are currently doing a hard lockdown in Australia before the Australian Open is due to start because there's a mandatory two-week period. If you want to see some good, fun YouTube footage, it's worth going and looking at how the athletes are trying to practice and keep in, in shape during their confinement at the moment. This also has led to Victoria Azarenka, who's the former world number one, being the first of the tennis players to basically come out and slap Novak Djokovic in the face, not literally, metaphorically, by basically saying we need to stop being spoilt about this. We stick to the rules and we stop complaining. So that leads me on to my third story. And this is the one I want to focus on briefly. Joe Biden, his first day in office, we were so glad to see the end of Trump, but his first day in, he signed an executive order enforcing a US Supreme Court decision, which essentially expands the definition of sexual discrimination. And I know you're thinking, what is this to do with sports? But it now expands it. So sexual discrimination is not just on the basis of your sex. It's also on the basis of gender identity. So whether you identify male, female, other. And this applies to what's known as Title IX, which basically in America is a federal law across the 52 states, which prohibits discrimination in any federally funded system. So schools, universities, colleges, if you get money from the government and you breach this, you risk losing your funding. And what this means is we are going to see, and there already are cases being taken, where trans women, and again, you can also have trans men, want to compete in, let's say, schools, tournaments, which go to state championships, which obviously move on to you having an opportunity to get a scholarship because college in America is prohibitive in terms of its costs. If you're an athlete, you're looking to get an athletic scholarship. And we have already seen, as of 2020, 17 states had specific bills in their state houses to prohibit participants from, from partaking 
So let's say you can only partake in the sex of your birth. So if you were born female on your birth cert, you can't then compete in men's competitions. And more importantly, because of the advantages that are alleged to be there, if you were born male, you can't compete against women. And what this all means is we're going to see a lot more cases being taken because there actually is a case already in Connecticut where basically a trans athlete is seeking to have the state basically prevent them from being banned from competing. There's also another case in Idaho because four female competitors took a case basically trying to have a trans man prevented from competing against them because they feel they will lose out on opportunities if they're being beaten consistently by a trans athlete, they may not get to the more elite level as we go further into the sport. And you may think, this is only America. How does this really affect anyone outside there? The reason it affects other people is if we look at, we discussed previously World Rugby's policy in this regard, where they basically said, we're not letting trans women compete because we feel there's a welfare issue there. And we have guidelines which now seek to protect cis women in sport. But if you're in America and you're going against a federal law, how do you jar the together? And I think World Athletics obviously have their own policy in that regard as well. They're developing their trans transgender athlete policy at present. But the ramifications for this, you, you're not going to have a huge amount of trans athletes taking female, um, cis females positions across tournaments. Okay. But there is... The, uh, that's the issue. Okay, so because cis tour, uh, cis women uh, is not CIS women or women from like you know CIS countries here as we I understand them. Yeah, it means uh, women who are born women who identify as women and so on and so forth and use the female pronouns of she and her. Um, okay, uh, the one about Greece, I mean that that still is shocking, and I think that anyone who's listening, if you look up Colombian women's soccer team. And look at what's been happening to them over a number of years. I mean, it's, it's been absolutely scandalous. So there is a kind of issue there. But the one thing I was surprised with the Greeks, I mean, I would have thought they were all more into, well, you know, they were, like women would have had like less issues. But anyway, um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Alex B, would you now be inclined uh, to, you know, identify as a woman so that you can make your WNBA uh, debut? Yeah, yeah, I could go for that. I mean, I'd have to play in Russia a lot to, you know, make most of my money, but yeah. Peter P., what about you? You've got, like, good height on you there. Like, I mean, would you identify as a woman to be a high jumper? Sure. <laughs> okay, Jesus. Easel, you've lost a crowd. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, in the end of the day, if I'm getting paid, uh, why not? You know, yeah, if it, if it pays. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Isol, I'm sorry. Men are mercenary. I mean, uh, you know, double N, would you, would you want to, you know, identify as a woman so you could represent the country of your birth? Um, I'm not sure. It's, it'll do a lot there. No, it wouldn't work? Yeah. Okay, it wouldn't work. Okay, so, okay. And, Andy, Mark, what about you? Would you wear a bra, like, out in the street rather than just in a dungeon and sort of, like, identify as a woman to compete for Scotland? I mean, the kilt's halfway there already. So. There you go! You identify as a woman with a critic. Oh, my God. You see the piece says, you know, just tuck it there and, get, and, and then earn some money. <laughs> Easled. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> there you go, Easeld. Listen, I'm, I'm sorry. The, the, the men have ruled. We're back decades. <laughs> we are, we are, like, would I, listen, would I, would I look, I mean, I, I'd be very, very straight, very, very straight on this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but this is the issue, like, that I look at that. I remember when I was, like, with top professional female boxers who at the time 
were unbeatable in women's boxing when I was based in Germany. Like uh, Regina Halmich, uh, you know, uh, Daisy Lang, the Bulgarian turned German. These were amazingly good female fighters who were undefeated in, in, in you know, were beating everyone around them in women's boxing. And when I sparred with them, uh, I could handle, like, they, nothing they could hit me with was, was worrying. Nothing they could do was, like, it was... It really was very, very difficult. And I remember someone, like, I remember saying as a joke, Jesus, I'd love to be a woman, you know? And then everyone kind of like laughed at me. But now it actually could be, turn out to be the case that I could identify as a woman. And okay, anyway. Um, right. Uh, talking about um, identifying as women, we're going to go, of course, to talk about Tom Brady. Um, he has a huge game ahead of him tonight. He is facing off against the Green Bay Packers, of course, led by Aaron Rodgers. Um, this is down now to two boys, to our Spice Boys, to Peter P and Alex B. I'm going to let you go first, Peter P, for this one, because you were very, very quick to identify as a woman. Um, Tom Brady. <laughs> Tom Brady. Is he going to bring home the bacon to Tampa Bay? Or will the Buccaneers be sent packing by Green Bay? I mean, I mean, you already know how I feel about Tom Brady. I, I, I label him as a traitor. Uh, uh, <laughs> I honestly, I'll, I'll I'll be rooting for uh, Aaron Rodgers. Okay, uh, Are, okay, Alex B. Will you just go against Peter P. for that, or, or do you hate Brady as well? Yeah, no, I, I think Brady's back, and, and to put it in your own words, Brady's bringing the bacon this time. He's <laughs> he's going to be baking the the Green Bay Packers. I think Brady's got this. We, we don't support traitors on Capital FM. Yeah, I know. But by the way, uh, Esel just mentioned that uh, Tom Brady is a vegan. Oh, <laughs> so he, oh, he oh, there will be no bacon. There will be no oh, bacon. No. There will be no uh, bacon. So Aaron it, you know, I could tell. Is, I could tell. You know, he, he is. I could say he's a traitor. So I mean that that explains him being a, ve- a vegan as well. Hold on, you hold on, Peter P. This is all. Oh, hold on, now. You, this is controversial. You're saying that vegans are tra- traitors to humanity that they don't deserve to live. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they are. They are. I don't support people who don't eat meat. <laughs> this could go in a very wrong direction very quickly Alex B do you concur with your fellow Spice Boy we concur okay. we do concur <laughs> okay Isil do you hate vegans as well um, I, I, I don't hate vegans I'm pescatarian so I don't eat meat I eat fish but it's okay lads you're really tearing me down tonight okay pescatarian okay, fish are ugly pardon fish are ugly yeah so that's you know good justification for eating fish I don't Hold on, but oh yeah, I guess I wouldn't actually want to eat. Like I have problems eating cows. Well, not a whole cow, of course, but I have problems because they have beautiful eyes. They really do. I mean, look at wait, what? They do, Peter P. They do. Oh, come on, that, that, that just sounded weird. <laughs> it's not weird. Look, if you look at a goat, for example, they have the devil eyes. They have the evil eyes you see in a heavy metal like. That's why they have good people. Goats are awful creatures. They deserve to die. Not on the other hand, cattle. <laughs> <laughs> you can see cattle have these beautiful big brown eyes and they're just like very sensual and no sorry okay let's move on very quick right the other of course NFL playoff game on tonight at 11.05 in Moscow time of course that game uh, being played between the Buccaneers who are out in Wisconsin at Green Bay Cheesehead Country then a little bit later on it is the Bills and the Chiefs now Alex B has put his fi- last loony, which of course is the uh, Canadian dollar, he has put his last loony on the Chiefs to win, to Patrick Mahomes to bring it home. They got very, very lucky against the Cleveland Browns, our beloved Cleveland Browns last week. Uh, Alex, you're sticking with the Chiefs. 
I'm sticking with the Chiefs and it's not a loony this time. This time it's a toony. A toony! Oh, I'm raising the stakes. Toony. Uh, Peter P, Buffalo, which is kind of very closer to your neck of the woods because uh, you're from Boston. Um, listen, you've got the, the the Bills there up against the Chiefs. Bills, I mean, they, they're one of the most unfortunate teams in NFL. Um, I mean, it, do you think that they have a chance? Honestly, on this one, I'm not going to be rooting for the underdog. Uh, I will be rooting for Chiefs because I, I, they are two games away from uh, the Super Bowl, of course. Okay. All right. Um, a question now I'm going to throw to the three of you. Uh, Isolt, I'll, I'll let ladies go first. Well, I mean, before the boys begin to transition into ladies, but I'll start with you first because you are an actual lady at the moment. Um, Conor McGregor got the head bed off himself last night. He's talking about a trilogy with uh, Poirier because, of course, he beat Poirier before. Um, is that realistic or is it time for uh, Conor to hang up his uh, little tight spandex shorts? Um, unfortunately, Poirier at the end of it also was in his post-fight interview in the Octagon was also saying, oh, we'd like to do this again. And I'm going, OK, no, no one really wants you to do this again. I think we will probably see that. The alternative is that we see Connor potentially go on to fight someone who beats him and that just ends his career. But I think we'll see a third fight. OK, um, Alex B, I started with Peter P the last time, but now I want to ask you straight away, uh, will there be a third fight or is this uh, done and dusted uh, for Conor? And by the way, that game finished 3-2 between Man United and Liverpool. That means United play West Ham in the fourth <coughs> round. OK, Alex B, uh, will there be fight number three? No, what I want to know is if we're going to talk about how I was the only person who said that Dustin Poirier might pull this off in the last show. You did. You were spot. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. I'm delighted. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I am delighted. No, but, uh, yeah, no, it was a big shocker. I think people want, like Dana White expected Connor to win. He kind of had all these fights lined up for him. I think if Khabib was going to come back, he was going to come back for Connor for the second fight. Obviously, that's not happening. We kind of have to change everything at lightweight right now. I mean, the division got a lot less interesting since yesterday. That's Michael Chandler joined it, though. Yeah, he did, he did join it, but he's not as fun as like Dan Hooker or McGregor oh, the guys that lost yesterday. So, okay. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the guys that won, they're a lot less entertaining. So obviously, Dana White's probably not happy right now. Okay. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. He might try to hold on to Connor for a few more fights. Yeah, again, again, you know, like Dana's into making money. Um, Peter P. I mean, Connor, you know, got got like he seemed to have won the first round according to Ethan Cody. Um, hurt, got his calf hurt, and uh, then got you know, got knocked out in the second. Do you think he will come back? Do you think it's wise if he comes back because he does have a lot of court cases pending in Ireland as well? So, Peter P. What do you reckon? Should he come back or should he just hang up like, his gloves? Like honestly, honestly, just looking. Back at all like the the backlash from the from the fight because everybody of Connor being the 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 crowd's like favorite and him him like losing the, t this morning I I woke up to a lot of like Instagram stories of people just being furious calling them names for for them like losing losing money losing bets because everybody was betting on him so honestly just from that just judging from that I, I would say that yeah like. This, this, this is not going to work out, honestly. They should have. Okay, listen, that's fair enough. Listen, uh, if anyone, people should have been listening last week to Alex B and Backdom because remember, we do give the best tips in sports here on Capital Sports. Okay, uh, those guys are going to be uh, with us a little bit later on. They'll be back in the sixth segment for the Big Fat 50 quiz. So thanks to the three of them. And we're going to get to the break right now with an oldie and a very, very goodie. Uh, this is no doubt. And. Um, it's my life. We're back after this with Kieran and Steve from the Transfer Exchange Show. 
Total Sports with Alan Moore.